selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Celebrity Book Club. Cold sun, persimmons, Japanese knife. Pizza, fresh from the box. Moon winking at my husband. Farm stand at dawn, sheep butter. Viking oven. Duck, roasted. Apples, sliced. Sun, satiated. Christmas over. Warming cheese, crackling fire, boots scraping on the porch, pizza for dinner. Alpaca blanket, tom yum soup, leftovers for days. Masterpiece theater. Merino wool bon me. Son's girlfriend home from college. Honey dripping. Damp sweater. Oh, fuck. I just... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. Whew. Who's that knocking at the door? It's all your friends, you filthy whore. Your husband's gone, and we've got books and a bottle of wine to kill. It's Hollywood. It's books. It's gossip. I'm shook. It's memoirs. It's martinis. It's Studio 54. It's Celebrity Book Club. Come read it while it's hot. Celebrity Book Club. Tell your secrets, we won't talk. Celebrity Book Club. No boys are allowed. Celebrity Book Club. 
was me and I brought the Cuervo. Hello, best friend. It's so good seeing you down under the Brooklyn Bridge where you can hear the train rattle and roll. New Yorkers, bagel men, mm. construction workers, tourists, halal cars, artisans, constructionists, designers, web programmers, girls, salespeople. And folk who have laptops yeah, um, and live workspaces. It's great to be in New York. I love this city. I love working in media. Do I love working in media? Sure. But is it my passion? No. no. What's Fo- your real passion? Food. Yes, Food I is agree. my passion. And, and speaking of, we just had a Thanksgiving we, holiday. We yeah, personally we just celebrated Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. No, it's interesting you say that because famously my family was like always really trying to switch Thanksgiving up and like having it on the 14th of November. So Thanksgiving. And not doing a turkey. And not doing a turkey. And like now I've recently gone into like doing Thanksgiving on the day and doing a turkey and celebrating yes. our national colonial day and making fucked up American food filled with butter. Oink, oink, to get us fatter so then we can shop tomorrow. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Anyway, today's really exciting and I just want to get to it. We have an amazing guest in the studio. And we're going to get okay, into... Okay, so I guess we'll talk about the turkeys I made in the VIP lounge. We're going to talk about the Alice in Roman turkeys you made in the VIP lounge. We're going to talk about the update of my full TikTok, the Popeye's turkey. The I made The infamous Cajun Popeye's the turkey. The Cajun Popeye's turkey in the VIP lounge. I cannot wait to hear about this. We're talking about a mom today. We're talking about the book we read today is one of the most iconic books ever. It is a By sis- one of the most iconic people ever. I feel like when we started this podcast, it was like she was always on the list. Yes. She is someone who I think I literally did discover her on Twitter. Yeah. She's an incredible Twitter presence. She's just like the ultimate poet when it comes to food. She was the New York Times restaurant critic for many years. Then she became was the, the gourmet. Editor of gourmet. gourmet from about 2000 until its death in 2009. She is a memoirist. She worked at bakeries in San Francisco and Berkeley in the She's 70s. She's a contemporary of Alice Waters. We all know her. We all love her. Of course, we're, we're talking, talking about, about Ruth, Ruth Reichel. Reichel. Is it Reichel oh, or Reichel? I thought it was Reichel. Maybe we can ask our can amazing ask, guests. But not only are we doing this incredible food book, but we have an incredible foodist. A coup. Really. A coup, really, for us and yes. for the entire industry. I don't think he's ever appeared on a podcast before. No. Is he is a contributing editor to the magazine Bon Appetit. Maybe you've heard, heard of, it? of it. He's, I, I mean, just so huge in the food space. But also, like, huge to me as a friend, as a compatriot. Uh, we just had a delicious meal at Via Crota, which we'll be talking about. <laughs> On the VIP line. Well, actually, no, we might get into it right at the top. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, please welcome... Emil Stanek. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on your podcast. We are so thrilled to have you here. I just want everybody out there to know that I'm also a Patreon subscriber. Uh, and and that's how you got in here. More than a year. Yes. Yep. And I got my, yeah, after a year, you get your token and then you get to come on the podcast. Yes. So let that be a lesson to all of you. Stick around. Yep. Good it's not things because, are in oh, store. You know, you work at one of the most famous food magazines. Oh, because, you know, you're an amazing chef. No, it's the token system. Nope. They just emailed me and they yes. found out I was a subscriber you and they're it. like, what do you do? Is there a book that we could kind of, is there some way we could make this work? Yes. We sent you a Amtrak coupon. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you came right into the city. You used your rebate. And yeah, you, you hopped the train from Hudson. We are so grateful for that. So we just had 
a lunch together. Yeah. And having lunch in Manhattan, I think, is it's so heavy and so present in the Ruth Reichel book. So she is from uh, the Manhattan. era. She's from the West Village. And but also, like, her era yes. is kind of the golden age of magazines. I see this book as a sister book to the oh, Tina, Tina Brown Tina book Brown. that we read because they both helmed a magazine under Cy Newhouse's Condé Nast and, like, had an it's insane kind of a, budget to, like, do whatever they wanted, but basically. It's, it's kind of a Jekyll. I found it a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. I agree. To the Tina Brown, where Tina, you know, was, you know, in so many deals, in so many cars, like, Tina, she knew the, like, restaurants weren't for eating. They were for meeting. And whereas Ruth actually wanted to eat. She actually wanted to eat, but also I feel like she was kind of on the Titanic as it was sinking. Yeah. You know? No. Tina was, like, building the Titanic in the 80s, you know? Yes. Like, she was having fun. There was there was no, like, the internet wasn't a glint in anyone's eye. Like, nope. there was nothing but clear skies ahead. It was just like, how can you make your magazine the biggest and the best and the brashest, honey? The line of black cars outside the building was only going to get longer, yeah. never shorter. Yeah. And then Ruth just, like, saw, you know, Rome fall. But I feel like also she, because she came in, she was such a bumpkin. Like, that was, like, the thing. She comes in, she's, like, in her, like, Berkeley knit sweater. She's always being, she defines also, like, in this way we talk about celebrities who are, like, I'm so the weird girl. When she actually was the weird girl and everyone was, like, so fab and, like, with a driver. And she yeah. was, like, I was just in this vintage Chloe black blazer going to the event. And I realized I was way overdressed in my chic little vintage look. <laughs> like, I'm so weird. I'm, And then she was like, oh, I was in like the grossest little like brocade, crocheted, <laughs> yeah. floral, like sweater blazer. So art teacher with my frizzy hair. And like everyone's always like giving her the once over with her outfit. And they're like, I can't believe you wore that to the Algonquin. I know. I feel like the first half of the book is her just being like, and I walked into the room with James Truman and he just looked me up and down and shook his head in displeasure. She actually they're all so she says it so many times her. where it's like, okay, clearly you've now pathologized this as like a virtue of yourself that like you're always poorly dressed in a room full of totally superficial midtown But then the, the clothing allowance kicks in. And then it and does. Then... Okay, but this is all just to say we did eat in Manhattan because we wanted to be Ruth. Yes, just we wanted for a to minute. be Ruth. How did, how did you come into Ruth? What's your relationship with well, her? Well, because I, I will say, so you actually recommended this book to me. We had been DMing mm-hmm. and... We, uh, I, Emil and I actually, we also DM. We have a, we, have, yeah, we also it, DM. It's true. I, yeah, I think I actually, I may actually have DM'd with Lily about it. Fierce. Okay, but you and I have been to more weddings together. That's true. One more We've wedding. We've only been to one wedding. Well, you two crashed the well, yeah, first wedding. Been We've to, been to. Yeah, and been and to also, us. I was not a guest. I was cooking the wedding. The reason I wanted to read it was because, I mean, Gourmet was my favorite magazine. And, like, for me Growing as, up as a young youth well, in Maryland? Not even. Like, it was, like, in college, in the early aughts, or I guess mid-aughts, mm-hmm. all I wanted to do, Oberlin College, all I wanted you to do... You and Lena, same class? We... Yes. Uh, no, she was a year above me. Okay. We, but we overlapped. Sure. You know, we were friends once. Absolutely. And then... As we, as we all were. Yeah. I remember hearing her on Terry Gross one time when she got, got famous, mm. and then I texted her, and I was like, I can't believe you're on Terry Gross. She said, I'm sorry, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't spoken ah! since. And now ah! she texts you... Wait, I heard you, Wait, on, I heard you on CBC. CBC. <laughs> Sorry, this? lost this number. Who is this? 
Um, That'll be really satisfying. Yeah, it's going to feel good. <laughs> and everyone else, they, you know, they're reading the, you know, Fight Club or whatever in college. And, and, yeah, <laughs> and you're reading and you're, Gourmet. You're pouring over Gourmet old in the gourmet. dorm. So I was. We're reading Jack Kerouac or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I found out that Gourmet was folding and... I I mean, you could Solved. talk to my roommates at the time. I was living in like a big old falling down house, of like course. like Ruth, you know, yeah, in big Berkeley, communal house, yeah, in Ohio, and was beside myself. I was just drunk oh. all the time, walking around the house, ranting and raving about it. And I was like, "Where am I going to work now?" Bon Appetit. Wow. What? Because you know, to me, Bon Appetit was like thirty minute meals. It, it was, was it was like, Rachel Ray. Yeah, and gourmet was for people who really cared about food, really cared about really cooking, loved entertaining. Food. It was real writing. Yeah, you know, yes. the photography. I, yeah, and uh, and uh, you know, and now here I am. It was it was excellence. It didn't it did not cater to the lowest common denominator as all media must do now. Right. No offense to current Bon Appetit, sure, which sure, does sure. an incredible job with the None content taken. that they None produce. Taken. But, you know, back in the day, and this was sort of size empire, which was like he as Ruth says, she was he had a commitment to excellence and he was like gave his editors free reign and it was hire Cars, the best writer. Close travel around the world like take risks but so ruth comes in they bring her in because gourmet is just i mean it's no stagnant. one's buying it yeah i think they're they're and it's been around since the 40s or something right basically I mean, so old yeah yes they realize you know it's being written for people with servants and no one has servants anymore okay right. honey this is the 90s they brought her on because they were like we gotta switch she, it up she saw that i mean she absolutely anticipated all of the trends of just like food is going to be become more democratized it's going to become more international like more like middle class americans are going to want to cook they're going to like chefs are going to become celebrities it's like all of the trends that we have now like she anticipated was like we need to incorporate these in may, the I, culture. may I read a quote that please, I please. gasped yes she's she's working at this point um, actually for the times and she says and all the naive earnestness of a young writer I cried Thai food is going to be the next big thing but our readers, her voice was cool and distant, have no, oh, this is at Gourmet, sir, have no interest in the next big thing. Other publications attempt to be timely. Here at Gourmet, we like to think of ourselves as timeless. That can't be true, I replied. I've learned everything I know about the food of other countries from the pages of your magazine. Gourmet has taken me to Mexico, China, India. Now you need to take your readers to Thailand. She literally... So this was when she was pitching a story yes. to go to Thailand. When she was like 20. Yeah. And what's insane is she's like, ultimately, I sold the story elsewhere and I did yeah. get to fly to Thailand. I'm like, imagine today going up to... I don't care, any magazine, like any... Bon Appetit. Imagine I go over to, to, to the Freedom Tower and I knock on whoever's door and I'm just like... Hey, I want to write a story about Thailand. Will you fly me to Bangkok? No, they'd be like, "Oh, it's a story about Thailand. That sounds great." So you're already going, like on vacation, right? Exactly. Like you're, so you're funding your trip, and you yeah. can write a blog about and it while like, you're and there. You can exactly. like actually pay us to publish it. Yeah, and they're like, they're like, "Oh, you want to do a story on a soup? We'll send you a car to the airport. Yes. We'll have a clothing allowance." Yes. Um, but it's just an incredible. You'll need at least a month in Thailand. Oh, but basically, yeah. also at that time, like Gourmet was like, oh, we did a story on Bangkok. And of course, it was about like some insane, like royal meal. And she was talking about. Yes, the street just, vendors. Just the street vendors, which now, of course, is 
uh, you know, Thailand is more than just Bangkok. Across yeah. every single pages for, you know, like Sandy Cobble Hill to make her boyfriend Tom Yum, which is now like happening every second of every Well, I know. Day. I mean, now every restaurant in New York, it's very just like if you Street don't know the food. difference between Northern Thai and Southern Thai, like you might as well close up shop and move to Philadelphia. I was going to say Hoboken, but yeah, okay. yeah Philadelphia. <laughs> Even worse. Yeah. Okay, so Ruth sort of starts out. So she talks a little bit about her childhood in this. Which mother was, <laughs> to quote my mother, mother was bipolar. Yeah. Father was a German immigrant. Yeah. I, and her mother was very like, always wanting her father to so, take, they, buy her furs and take her to the Ritz. She, they would do this thing where they would Martini. go to the Rainbow Room and they would have one drink and then leave because they actually couldn't afford to have dinner, but she wanted to just be... In the but the, they would also try the to general go, vibe. They, she really wanted to go to the four. The mom really wanted to go to the yeah. Four Seasons, and they would go to that like kind of like depresso little cafeteria like nearby and eat like hot dogs and then like look in the window of the Four Seasons. I mean, it and li- she says this quote that so rings true. I feel like when I go to like a fancy so- cocktail place that which she's like, no matter how slow you sip. A drink uh, only lasts oh, so oh, long. Oh, God. That was the most... <laughs> that literally oh, broke, broke me. No, literally... Heartbreaking. No, ma- Heartbreaking. No, no matter how slow you sip, it's still just to one drink. To be like, I'm getting my fancy cocktail, and it's like, well, it was, do you have money for the it dinner was, after? No, but I. it really yeah. just... It felt a little bit too close to home. I was just like... I mean, literally, my birthday, we went to the grill, which is the old Four Seasons that she talks about constantly, and they wouldn't let me in because I was in shorts. <laughs> And uh, formal shorts from APC, and that, yet... That is amazing yeah. that a major food group restaurant I know. in 2022 is turning so... people away in shorts. Just because I feel like, because I feel like there are so many people with so much money in New York City and in LA and like other like big food cities. Who are wearing sweatpants. Yeah. Right, you like look at, you're like... like Right, you're like, that is clearly the richest person in the room, the yes. person in basketball shorts yes. and flip-flops. That's billionaire. Yes. yes, yes. No, you know, like... If you're dressed like Adam Sandler, you've got money, honey. Yes. We went to, to our fancy lunch, and I put on my, like, literally, like, 80s Tina Brown drag of, like, a blue and white striped shirt, and it's like, that's how you can tell I have $10 in my bank account. I know. Like, if I was, like, billionaire, it would be, like, tattered sneakers, T-shirt... And then, like, weird, like, Merrells or something like that. And I just, it was it was heartbreaking that she could tell also at that age that her mom was so desperate to be a part of this world that she would never be able to be in. And she could also, because she also wasn't a part of it on an intellectual level. Like, the mom didn't work and she didn't have, like, the creative outlet. And she didn't have, like, she had some fabulous friends, but she wasn't, like... At the dinner parties every night. Well, she was she was married once to like a she was married to like a wealthy guy, right? And yeah. then they got a divorce, and then she married Ruth's dad, and then they had like a little bit more of it. Like, Who was the, the oh, sort of the graphic designer of books? Loved books. I loved, he loved, he loved books. Their spines. Yes. <laughs> and and Ruth is like such a daddy's girl. I mean, obviously because the mom was also very. I feel like a little Grey Gardens and like wrapped in fur and just like in her room for a full month. Yeah. If like she wasn't at the Ritz. The stuff around the mom was so crazy because you also, like, the book opens. And before you ever hear anything about the mom being, like, bipolar or having, like, mental health stuff, she's just like, yeah, you know, I loved cooking and I would read Gourmet Magazine. I thought it was really cool. And then I got the Gourmet Cookbook, which was great because sometimes I would just open the fridge and there would be a suckling pig in there. Oh, yeah, and then I my mom that. would be like, can you cook it? And then 
I did indeed cook it. And then I cooked the suckling pig. And she was like, well, that, that magazine is actually worth its salt. Right. And then like two chapters later, she's like, my mom was bipolar. And that explained the suckling pig. And <laughs> and why there randomly was a full pig and in the fridge. And why they reorganized the house so that there were no bedrooms. Oh, that, that was part? insane. Yeah, because the mom was just like, this is better for entertaining. Right. Yeah, right, right. We'll have to. And she was like, and I could ne- I would always fall asleep in the bathroom because my room is where they serve dessert. <laughs> you know, I, I, I empathize with the mother in this way because you're just like, you know, you want to put your best foot forward and like you have people over and you're so concerned because you're seeing people entertaining these grand monsters where they have the, the, the classic six. They have the maid's room. They have the servant's entrance to the kitchen. And you're just like, well, where am I going to put dessert? Because this it was a dessert room. I think it was also <laughs> it was before there was you know, uh, an idea of luxury that is very current of like the the Bon Appetit idea of luxury, which is you can have like paper plates like on your couch. You've got everybody crammed into your little studio. You know, and it's like, oh, we don't have wine glasses. We all just like grab like old like we, kimchi yeah, we like, have, containers. We have, we have mismatched kimchi containers as wine glasses um, because we're so But funky. then it's like this journey that Ruth goes on. So also, so, you know, she's at the New York Times. She gets poached by Sai. Yeah. Tina's, you know, she's at the near, you know, she's wheeling and dealing. She knows what she's doing. And like, also, Ruth is a little bit just like, you guys are ridiculous with like, and they're all like, when she's negotiating her deal with Gourmet, like, so many people are always like afraid they're being like followed by the paparazzi. Oh, yeah, they're at the Algonquin, and, like, all the, the Condi people are being just, like... Did they well, follow us? So you... Currently... It was like, you, you leave first, yeah. Yeah. and then I'll follow, because the press. And then they, like, she, like, walks up. So like, without revealing yeah. too much in the main episode, as someone who works for Condi, do you find that there remains an air of suspicion, paranoia around Conspiracy the press? Conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. I was going to say no. <laughs> I was going to say no. But, I mean... If you think about the analog to like paparazzi in like our modern age, just being social media, right? I kind feel of like is true. There I is feel a- like there is a there is a paranoia around it. It's just different, and it's just like, oh, actually, the entire world is watching. Everything. I mean, we were on the subway platform earlier, and we were talking about some gossip, and you looked around. I saw you, you look did. around. You oh. looked around. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that to me You're is like, who like, could be here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, who could be here? And then it's like, you know, a friend will come to me and be like, oh, my God, I saw, you know, Carla at the, you know, Fort Green Farmer's Market. What was she buying? (laughs) I'm I'm sure she was buying fresh. Ramps. Heirloom tomatoes. Well, but I guess it's also like the idea of like what, you know, when at the time when, you know, our more modern era where it's like media makers, editors, like whatever are are not like in the old Condé Nast times, it was like, you are like a person who's like floating, does not live in this world. You are floating above everything. And instead, now it's like, you are to be the best possible everyman. You know what I mean? It's like Carla at the farmer's market. You're like, oh, she actually goes. It's not like there's like some, she has like a task rabbit going to like. No. Or whatever. Her brand has to be spotted at the farmer's market. The brand is what you're selling. You're on 24-7. Like that is... That is the whole like, I ball saw, game. I saw Carla's Instacart shopper. Someone sees like the screen. <laughs> I mean, that would be a scandal. Yeah, Talk about a notes app apology. 
Another thing I feel like is so different between her and Tina, where it's like, Tina is a teetotaler, if I'm saying that correctly. She doesn't drink. Oh. And in right. her whole book, she's always she's like, I didn't drink at the parties because I wanted to remember everything. And she has these like meticulous diaries. And like Ruth is always like, sorry, I'm e- eating and drinking. She was like, at this point, I was drunk. It was 2 p.m. Like, she's at the office. Like, Ruth is enjoying food and drink. And Cy is also like an insane control freak. He doesn't the- like... Garlic. The oh wait, the okay, can we talk about how what the Frank Gary Condé Nast cafeteria that was designed? The, yeah. And how no is this still true? That no garlic is served in the Condé Nast cafeteria? Well you know, so when I started working at Condé, it was still at Four Times Square, which is like where Pre Freedom Tower. Pre Freedom Tower. Indeed, there was no garlic. That was wow. a real thing. But Sai wow. was still I mean, we, we see Sai was still alive then. Cy was still alive. He died in like 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. And you still saw him all the time, but it was really bleak. Like, mm, like being so old, like, like being wheel, no, oh. no, like being wheelchaired in, okay, head to the side. Okay, like he be, you know, the wheelchair is being lifted up the stairs by like four sturdy men. His wife is he Victoria in a suit? is, yes, uh, no, at that point it was kind of like cardigan, okay, okay, grandpa. Yes, and Victoria is following with the pugs. The only dogs allowed in the World Trade Center, it was like, I'm sure, written into the like whatever contract Conde had when they (laughs) moved into there. But in the old, in Four Times Square, in the like original building, um, yeah, no garlic. The food in the cafeteria was her description of the food in the cafeteria was pretty accurate. Like you could get a good sandwich made by a couple of true sandwich artists, and outside of that, it was like. She she describes it as true sandwich artist. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah, she's like the the noodles were limp and overcooked and smothered in sauce. The only thing that was good was the sandwich artist who would put extra meat for the interns because they only they get paid. <laughs> the, right, and she brings Doc Willoughby yeah. in for like an interview from Cooks Illustrated to like be her executive editor, or deputy editor, or something like that. Yeah. And she like he really wants to see the cafeteria, and he brings her in. It, it, she brings him in, and he's looking around, and he's like can we go somewhere else? And she's like, and then I knew I wanted to hire him. Yeah, like, yeah. It was like a yes. test. Um, that really, so that cafeteria scene, I just did a Devil Wears Prada rewatch and I was like, when Anne Hathaway gets her like creamy chowder or whatever and then Stanley Tucci is like, are you kidding? Like, yeah. what is, <laughs> you're buying cream right now? Celebrity Book Club. This episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. You're trying to find a cause for your symptoms. Achy back, headache, runny nose, itchy eye, wart on my genitals. So let me guess, you stumble down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. Suddenly I have cancer? Uh, no thank you. <laughs> there are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. Though randoms, I love you, and my TikTok addiction, yeah, it stands. But I'm sorry, Lily, you shouldn't be getting medical advice from some girl in her grandmother's basement in Toronto. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. That's right. Ditch the talk, get the doc. 
ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Mm, I love a trusted guide, like the time I climbed to Machu Picchu on the Inca Trail with a team of Sherpas. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. So find your Sherpa at ZocDoc.com. Go to ZocDoc.com slash book club and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Slay. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash book club. ZocDoc.com slash book club. Ditch the talk. I want to talk about when she first starts working at Gourmet. So she gets poached and she, you know, she has this incredible critic's eye and Gourmet is kind of a mess. It's obviously there's a huge budget. There's this test kitchen. They're doing all this food all the time, but things are not running smoothly. There's a lot of acrimony. And this is kind of the first time that she proves herself to the staff by being mm, like a food genius. Yes. And this scene really took her breath away. So she walks into the test kitchen and they're making a cake. And there's like 12 chefs around and they're making this chocolate cake like potentially for a next recipe for the next issue. And now they ask her what she thinks. I could feel their eyes upon me as I studied the jewel-like little cake considering my options. I could begin by commenting on the praline topping. Was it too sweet, too bitter? Maybe the pieces should be smaller. The chocolate was another obvious target. I could suggest using one of higher quality. Should I speak up for the Mosca Pone? <laughs> Her language I is know. so beautiful. Should I speak up for the Mosca Then the fork met my mouth, and my body was flooded with sensations as the dark, dense, near bitterness of the cake collided with the crackling sweetness of the praline. The flavors tumbled about a sensory circus that was finally tamed by the rich smoothness of the frosting. It was all I could do to keep from reaching for a second bite, extremely hard to hide my smile. I knew this cake. The cook's eyes bored into me. I'm guessing, I tried to sound tentative, that this cake has an English pedigree. (laughs) <laughs> and then the girl goes, how did you know? <laughs> and then she goes, unlike Americans, the English don't overdo the sugar in their chocolate cakes. And then she goes, that praline's a nice touch, lovely texture. And I wouldn't mess with the mascarpone. Cream cheese reads so carrot cake, don't you think? Oh. <laughs> I'm searing. So I used to... It's the perfect thing to say if you're yeah. like, you're your first day on the job. Just be like, I'm complimenting everyone, but I mean a little bit bitchy. And yeah, because she also comes in in this first, it's not even her first day, the three months before she starts. And like, they're all being so Devil Wears Prada and like eye rolling at her. Yeah. And she promises to them, because she like needs to prove herself also, that like, she'll come in every day after she leaves in your time's office. Yeah, like while she's still working at the time, yeah. Like I'm in her. She gets brought in like the day that like Sai is like, okay, the old editor's out, and this gal's in, and then she's like standing in front of everybody, and she's like written that speech, and she couldn't think of anything. She's she's, like shaking. I'll come in, (laughs) and she's got like sixty people staring at her, and she's just like, "Uh, uh, uh, I'm gonna come in every day (laughs) for the next three months until I start, and then I'll yeah say this one thing about mascarpone. So I used to um, clean the seven. 
Discover Test Kitchen no. is my um, food magazine experience. So Sever is, is no longer by... in print. No. But I think the website still exists. Their turnover was wild, I could tell, as the maid. Like, it was always just a fully new staff. Like, every week I went in there. (laughs) But now I do recognize that one of the test kitchen people has, like, a Munchies YouTube show. Okay, so yeah. Sever was a jumping off point it for was a, her, but it was, it was very like ground. they were always redoing the office, and I would like grab a Sever on my way out, and like I feel like it. Did first, you see the magazine get thinner and thinner? It, yeah, and I <laughs> yeah. Like, pages running away, and I feel like they were trying to actually take over what Gourmet used to be pre Ruth, where it would be like seven page story about going to uh, like about like a Clem Glacé. <laughs> yes, yeah, but at a certain point. All of the Sever stuff just, I mean, it was like the Sever, I feel like the, the way that people would talk about Sever at mm. Bon Appetit when I started was like, that's what we want. We mm. want to be Sever, 90s Sever. It was yeah. like, it was like Sever gourmet Sever. was too close. And it was like, we want to be 90s Sever. We, we want to these... be r- retro fabulous. Well, yes. And we want these kind of like the glory lush stories where you have like a ton of texture and you're really like journalism yes and you're like exploring cuisines and and like you know by the end i feel like sever was kind of like you know i also there are a lot of things that i liked about sever but i feel like it ultimately was like every story was kind of the same and it was like i haven't been to where i grew up right blank place in blank country in 10 years and i this was my first trip back and i to make blank dish with blank member of my family and then they're kind of shooting at themselves and it's like a little awkward well i was always trying to like be so um wise like in the movie like they'd be making something in the test kitchen i'm like and i'd be like swiffering (laughs) and like and i'm just being so like hey (laughs) you over there with the swiffer (laughs) would do you want to try this and me to and like I wanted to be, be like oh me yeah sure and then all of a sudden like I say something like whatever <laughs> cream <laughs> cheese I'm like oh good touch with the slivered pistachio almonds would be too Jordanian or yeah. something like that. <laughs> is that rose water I taste <laughs> and they're like have you what? tried orange rind <laughs> and they like they're like what if you came in tomorrow it's just a it's just a part time job oh yeah do you want to do you want a spot here <laughs> no you're just like cleaning after hours. Hours, and there's like one of the test kitchen editors is like crying because they can't figure out how to make the cake better. And you're like, let me try. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know? You're just a maid. <laughs> and you're just like, my mother worked many, many hours cooking soup for the governor of New York. I learned all her tricks of the trade. <laughs> she used a niece, actually, in her cheesecake. <laughs> she raised those kids like they were her own. <laughs> but the thing about that cake, though, and that anecdote was, like, after she had, like, you know, done her performance in the test kitchen, the food editor was like, how did you know that? That's actually incredibly random. Like, don't give me this, like, English pedigree shit. And she's like... I actually literally had that cake last month yeah. and asked for the recipe and bake it all the time. So it was just like, and I'm like, is it was the kind of thing where I'm like in this book, I'm like, is that a true story? Because that sounds crazy. Well, I, but you know, I, what I loved about it was like, she was like, we had been at this restaurant in London. So it's like, she is still being like globally fabulous. It's like, I mean, it does make sense. She's trying restaurants and, every night of the week. Well, and also if you're like thinking about like before food was a thing, yes. it was like when people are talking about like a very specific caliber of restaurants, yes. 
that like there's only a certain caliber, quote unquote, caliber of restaurant that is going to be in gourmet. Yes, that and she's going to go to if she's I'm... in London. It's like actually like far fewer. Well, but and I don't think that it makes her a fraud that she remembered that she could taste remember that recipe from London. I think it just it makes her like more believably of that world and makes her observant and like that's what an editor needs oh, to no. be I was just wondering if that story was true oh, because it oh, seemed like it just seemed yeah it just seemed so crazy but you know I, I believe it I believe, I believe it, it to the, because I feel like one thing that's weird about memoirs is like sometimes there's all these specifics and you're like you can't possibly remember that I don't remember what I said last week how do you remember what you said 15 years ago but this book is like there's kind of big swaths of time she kind of skips over so it's why that's why I kind of do believe the stories a little bit because it's not being so and then the next day and then the next day like it seems like it is the, only just what she remembers I agree the dramatic parts of this book that I'm obsessed with and is which why I am obsessed with Ruth Michael because she is so dramatic about food is the story when so her son hates Nick he hates that she's the critic because you know she goes out to eat every week mm. she comes back from a night out and he's asleep and he's like, mommy, I'm hungry. And she's like, oh, she's like, did your babysitter feed you? And he's like, yes, but it's not as good as you're cooking. And then she's like, if this reminds me of the scene and something's got to give when Diane Keaton makes blueberry pancakes yes. for Jack Nicholson. And she goes, do you want me to make spicy Chinese noodles? They'll be done in a flash. And she's like, Nick paddled his feet. And she's just like ginger glistening garlic in the pan and it's like this te- it's so manhattan like this 10 year old like craving her like gorgeous and she's firing like, up the wall her momofuku like <laughs> ginger well, scallion that was so noodles. crazy too because i was i got confused because that anecdote came kind of like early in the book and then like later on she reveals that her kid like didn't eat yeah, anything that I was, wasn't white. I was confused by that too because he had this crazy like sickness for 12 years and never ate anything. Yeah, like as a baby they were like noodles. He was like they were like he has like some kind of autoimmune disease and so we have to keep him on this cocktail of antibiotics or he might die. And, and then, then she's it was like, like making him like chili garlic. No, because like, then it's like yeah. then they have that story about him like the, going to the Japanese yeah. restaurant and like each like he literally just eats rice. The omakase chef who slowly introduces him to like increasingly like, rare fish, one <laughs> thing at a time. Yeah. And then they're Shark. like, let's take him off the antibiotics. Yeah. I think it's time. And I was like, is this like a Munchausen by proxy? Like, I mean, he's isn't, like, isn't sick, it they're, always? They're like, he was so little and sickly, and he would never eat anything except white foods because we kept on giving him the drugs because he needed the drugs otherwise he would die but he was kind of dying because he was really malnourished and then we took him off the drugs and now he likes eating everything and he's six feet tall that that was the lesson i got from it it was just very like he's on the pills because he needs to be on the pills because he can't eat anything but because he's sick but he's sick because he can't eat vegetables yeah because he's on the pill it was just like there's a circular logic here why don't you just stop the totally yeah i'm like not here to question ruth's parenting but that did seem like a little bit sus emil how often did you go to eat as a as a child did you um, did you have a passion for restaurants as a child? Oh, I loved restaurants as a child. Okay. Well, because my parents are very like night my mom's a nurse and a nutritionist. My dad's a, a dentist, but he also he grew up in the Soviet Union, so he's like okay. has a both a, both with food. an oral fixation. Uh-huh. Yes, 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 yes. Indeed. Um but my mom's <laughs> a little more Midwestern and is like also like nu- a nutritionist too. Okay. And is like it was like very like no fat sour cream like mm, no, 90s, fat, no fat salt vibes and so like going out to eat was like 
oh, we get to have, like, yeah. hit me with the Alfredo. Because the house was always, like, Alf- low cholesterol, Sarah Betty, like, cookies or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the sna- snack wells. Yeah. The snack yeah. wells yeah, that yeah, were, yeah. like, no fat. Yeah, yeah like, that, have as many snack wells that's as you I'm, want. That's fine. I remember yeah. my babysitter eating an entire package of snack wells and me, like, being shocked. And, and she was like, oh, they're no fat. It doesn't matter. <laughs> She's downing sleeve after sleeve. sleeve of the snack wells. <laughs> and it was like, that was the 90s myth. Just like, well, they have no fat in them, so I actually can eat, actually, like, 90 sleeves of snack well cookies. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was. And a I remember time. thinking, like, that just doesn't add up to me, totally. So you were going to Chinese, Japanese, Indian, where you were, like, sampling the, the world? Crab. Yeah, you know, I feel like as kids, like, we went out to eat i feel like we went out to eat like once a week and that was yeah. like the thing it was like we would go out on wednesdays hump day oh, um yeah. and you're a hump day guy yeah you know it's <laughs> like we would you know I, I ate sushi when i was really young they were like these things i was like definitely praised for being an adventurous oh, eater they were like oh our son he's so adventurous right like you you won't believe you know i, I feel like when when my parents met my wife for the first time they're like you know he's such a, he was always such an adventurous eater when he came back from <laughs> kindergarten with his little worksheet and said favorite food sushi <laughs> second favorite food pizza can wow. you believe that wow yeah. wow i mean i'm stunned yeah. a kindergartner liking sushi you know a little california i mean cuz when already. i would go to the japanese restaurant shogun in newton massachusetts I would always have the chicken katsu as a child because that was Ooh. kind of the kid's one. There's no way I would have been allowed to order the chicken katsu because wow. it's a fried oh, chicken Oh, item. that but was yeah. against yeah. your 90s that, health. Like fried Frito. food. Yeah, no wow. fried. I mean, I wish I had been more adventurous and I'm embarrassed to say that I was having the chicken katsu um, at that age. No, I mean, I was getting, you know, I was afraid of sushi and I was getting the tempura. Okay. Oh, because it was a little bit closer to what you appreciated. It was like more like Frito Misto. Which... Well, I'm just saying of this one, this there was a sushi restaurant, Japanese sushi restaurant called Kaya in Cambridge and Porter Square. Shout out. And they had, I was like, okay, I'll get this like fried shrimp instead of like sushi because I'm afraid of sushi. Yeah, but I think also you guys are from the Boston area, a little yes. more urbane than... The no. suburb of Baltimore that I grew up in, and sure. I feel like well, going I to don't sushi. Know if it's that more, oh yeah, you know, we're both true. provincial backwaters, darling. Where oh, culture goes, Stephen, are you literally trying to like <laughs> lose our base of mass holes by maybe where you grew up in Newton was a provincial backwater, but where no, I grew I up know. in Cambridge, yes. full of. The crossroads of the intellectual Thailand, world. Yes. Lebanese food. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> All the greats came from Cambridge. wash your mouth out. From Mario Batali to Helen Keller. Um, speaking of Mario, should we get to the dinner at um, Balud where she spies Mario, Eric Ruppert, and Daniel Balud all talking to each other? Isn't that at EMP? Uh, Not to right. fact no, check, no, I you, believe you it's, at right. EMP. it's at EMP. Was it because there were cup? There were like two big chefs' night out dinners. Yeah, there was one like, at Balud Sud. I think that was the first one, and then there I was believe like, it was Barbalud. Was no, I think Barbalud was the last because they had like that's the oh. final one. That was like the end of the era. The recession's happening. We're having foie gras for the last time before we <laughs> no. go to jail. Like it's like David Chang and everyone's just like crammed into Barbalud and just like d- like sucking parm down and oh, everyone's yeah, like, getting truffles rained on their pussy <laughs> and it's until three in the morning <laughs> and she's like, we all knew everything's going under. Like, I feel like she knew 
like Mario was so nasty in this way because she was like, there is that. Yeah, she wait, basically uh, just tells a story about how like you know someone explains to her that like Mario and Eric repair like chain like you know they're trading sous chefs and they're like that's what they do they send each other you know he's best. sending someone from Babo to you know to to Bernadette and no one is like you know possessive over their young guns it was like the publisher learn- who was like wow this the food world is so different yeah. from the she, world like, oh yeah any he was other like world. Donna Karen and Ralph Lauren would never be in the same room which I, I also don't believe but then somehow she just like segues and she's like and this was before the me too it's, movement no it's the most like 2019 edit of just yeah. being like and you know back then i wish we had spoken up in our own ways more but it was a different time anyway. we knew that these men were sometimes a little handsy but we didn't think it was that bad and we all were thankful that we got the opportunity to work with them. Um, the other moment... Although I feel like she also wasn't working in kitchens as much. So it was like... Well, she yeah. worked in kitchens early on in like the Alice Waters Berkeley in San Francisco, which was probably a lot less like so many Hansi Batali's. Yeah, she was working in a very... It sounds like a very rarefied... Like, she was yeah. like, I was just bringing in herbs from my garden to like garnish salads with because yeah. our... the communal soup kitchen restaurant that we ran was running out of money. Yeah. And it's like, she probably wasn't exposed to that as much. No, to like the yelling, the toxicity of restaurants. Yes. Um, the other moment, of course, I feel like every single book we read um, has to talk about 9-11. Oh, oh, oh my God. God Sorry. The, the Stay 9/11. with me. The 9-11 chili. The, oh. the 9-11 chili. <laughs> the 9-11 chili. I, really, I have a huge note about was, this on my phone. I was reading, and I, you know, I have the leftover turkey in my fridge, and I was like, I need to make her 9-11. Did you make it? No. Okay. I could I didn't not. have the beans, I but I did make actually a very Ruth meal with my leftover turkey. Is I did like a, a Vietnamese rice noodle turkey um, dish last night with fresh herbs, mm. carrots, Popeye's turkey and um and traditional did you give Vietnamese it to any local firefighters. <laughs> yeah, so I actually just started dry. I just got in my car and I drove to Staten Island and I just started knocking on just doors. Followed the sounds <laughs> of sirens. <laughs> she was like, so I love how they escape to Hudson where you live or whatever and they were just <laughs> yes. they go to there. But we we went to our upstate cottage of course because No, she's like we wondered if the bridges would be open and thank God we could get to our upstate house in Beacon. Basically the whole, the trauma of 9/11 for is there's 4 hours of traffic getting out of Manhattan. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it's bad traffic then she gets to like Spencer Town or whatever and then she's like I need to go back and cook. Yes. And then, like, goes back to the world, no. to the Four Times Square and, like, rallies everybody. It was such a, like, ready-made Netflix documentary moment. You could just see it just like, so I did what we do. We, we cook. The kitchens were closed. I get there. Everyone was there. <laughs> and then she's like, but then, you know, it's like this whole, you know, she's like, and then we got in my van. And I'm like, your van? Your van? <laughs> like, what? You're the editor in chief of Gourmet Magazine. You're like at a Condé publication in the aughts, and you go upstate all the time, and you you have one kid, and you're driving a van. Well, that's the theme of the entire book. Is like she takes the subway, and everyone at the magazine is like, "You took the subway." She describes going on the subway like maybe ten times. No, it was. I was like, 
oh, is this a Lou Reed song? I was like, you must calm down. She's just like, jingle, jangle, saxophonist, rattle, rattle. And it's like, you actually need to calm down. She's like, it's the most magical thing in the entire world. You're next to, to pushers oh, yeah, and to junkies. Dealers. <laughs> yeah. I was and like, Patty, and, artists. and she's like, oh, a car? You're sitting there not meeting anyone, hearing anyone. And everyone's so freaked out that she's on her car. But then she's always like, but I did love taking the cars. And like, I but appreciated she, the excess. But she did drive the, va- like she like drives her van with all the food down to like, she's like, we were stopped at Canal Street and then we schlepped all of her clothes and she still hasn't said like what they're making. And then she's like, and we opened it up and we had chili. And then it was like, the recipe in because there are recipes in yeah, this book, and then and it was like, like your turkey chili. chili. Turkey. You're like, this is what you you're in it. You're in like a kitchen that has like all of these ingredients, Everything. and you're like, I'm going to make turkey well, chili. You know, Emil, Staten, okay, when you're Staten making Island food Park. for a lot of people, it's a good bulk food. I'm familiar with chili. <laughs> you could do, I'm, I'm just, just saying, like, is she going to do mini truffle grilled cheese? No, I'm a little more no. like, uh, she should, sorry, maybe. for the Staten Island firefighters. Let's give him some beef. Yeah. Wait, sorry. Maybe also, not turkey. This, Maybe not turkey. This, again, is so, like, early 2000s movie in the minute. I cranked up the music, and as the kitchen filled with the scent of chili and chocolate, we began to dance, yeah. defiant, in the face of the disaster. And it's, like, the movie, it's, like, smoke, and she's, like, turning up just, like, Fleetwood Mac, and they're stirring, like, beautiful, like, Mexican cocoa leaves. Like, reaching out, reaching out yeah. long spoons yeah, to give each other taste. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's incredible. No, more Meyer lemon. And then it's, like, the silent firefighter just being, like, thanks. Tastes like home. <laughs> It does sound like it sounds like every single like do gooder chef in the city yeah. was like I can make food. It I sounds can. like Grunzer was absolutely flooded with right. like gourmet comfort food, and they were like, we actually don't need any more food. Rocco Despirito is pushing Ruth out of the way, just being so like, I actually made a lasagna, yeah. and then Mario Batali is like, I made puttanesca. <laughs> and they're like, we're actually good. What we need is just like maybe more. Ladders or something. (laughs) Well, it feels also like very like COVID. You know, like our like Mm. version of the thing where it's like everybody like we're banging, we're buying gift cards to Clum Corm, and they're like, we don't need them. Yeah, look at all of the sandwiches that we made. Yeah, (laughs) and we're giving to the doctor. Yes, (laughs) and it's like nurses are like, we're good. I'm good on the sourdough. Like it kind of reminded me of um, Occupy Wall Street, a protest that I was super involved in. Oh yeah. Um, and I remember going down there when it feed (laughs) to feed basically to get food because everyone also had the same idea and there was literally like all of Zuccotti Park from like start to finish was like a full wedding buffet line of just like food from so many different restaurants and you were like this is maybe more than anyone needs just like there, there's there's plenty enough for like every protester and their entire family to have thirds right. and there's still more just like lemon oregano parsley cold right. pasta from like whatever <laughs> chicken from, from the, this like Brooklyn restaurant that like wants to prove it's like progressive bona fides oh damn now FOMO I feel like I missed out on that okay wait there's so much we need to talk about I know this book is insane oh wait the dress Oh, the- Severine. Oh, and I Severine. asked, and I was like, I started to Google um, the I, Franks. I, I literally, uh, it was chilling. This dress, you must have. You must have this dress. So basically, she goes to the store in Paris when they're on this insane, all expenses paid trip to do a full Paris. The entire issue. staff. The entire the staff. The entire staff. 
goes to Paris. They rent a house with a kitchen for all of the test kitchen editors to like, t- t- why exactly? I don't know. To like test, test. French recipes. <laughs> yeah. And then the okay. rest of the staff is staying in different hotels different. every single we, night. Yeah. We're traveling true Condé Nast style, staying at the city's finest hotels, testing the beds, the bathrooms, the service. <laughs> Sertle forces us to all be guests from hell, dreaming up wicked tasks for the concierges. <laughs> How quickly can they get a blouse cleaned, arrange a car, send flowers to an ailing friend? This is what I want our jobs to be. I want to be like sent doing wicked tasks. It's, it's, and then they're, rep- they're, they're renting eight apartments with like massive kitchens separately so like, and then the whole time and then going she, to restaurants and oh she's like God. I landed I never have champagne when I first land but of course I was forced to <laughs> and then this guy brings out the flat champagne that you have it's like a 1971 champagne that you have to have with this caviar and he's like hold it hold it in your mouth hold it in your yeah. mouth <laughs> wait wait for it and it's like the bubbles hit at minute two <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Sever- the Severine's husband? Like, Hus- yeah. Yes. That she meets at the, the ghost. Russian, the Russian the ghost the that actual she ghost. So <laughs> yes. she goes to this vintage store and she's trying on this dress and it's like and the, 100,000 francs. And, and it's, <laughs> it's a 1959 Yves Saint Laurent. Right. Yves Saint Laurent was designing for Dior. Yes. But the lady like puts it on her and like takes a long time like lacing and it And it's like, you must. really you complicated. She's like, you must have this dress. It's so you. It's so you. And she sees this label on the inside of the dress that says... Severine. And she's like, what's Severine? She's like, maybe it was the woman who owned it before you, but now it must be yours. And she does not buy the dress. She goes to the Russian... But she gets a card. She gets a she card. Gets a, card. a business card from the woman to maybe sell her the dress. She goes to the Russian caviar later. She's dining alone. Then this ghostly man starts talking to her next to her. Who's like eating a huge thing of caviar and drinking like a 40-year-old bottle of champagne oh, by himself. A, a, a bottle of champagne that was like goals. fished out from the yeah. wreckage of the Titanic. Yes. And... Uh, then they start talking, and he's like, you remind me of my wife. Wait, what was the thing that he said? It was so good. You eat like her. Like, you you have, like, a, a lust for life, and you're, like, willing to just, like, you eat, like, when you're alone. Like, you like, what a, crave the world, and you're ravenous. And, and she goes, oh, what was your wife's name? And he goes, Severine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sorry, I believe her. I believe yeah. her. He said... He said, my wife ate caviar as you do, slowly, <laughs> avidly. Yep. You put me in mind of her. Ah! Oh, and then it's like, there was the whole thing also where the woman tried to talk down where she was like, I got 2,000 francs taken off the dress for you. Yep. It is now only 75,000 st- 75, francs. 75, <laughs> and so, that, so then he tells her that his ex-wife is severing, or dead wife, sorry. Please do it. She goes, she reaches into her purse rips up the business card. The dress that rips it up. And she goes, the dress had already given me everything I would ever need. Chills. 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 Actual chills right here. You can see it. I'm going to rip up a business card tonight. But the thing that was so crazy was then they go back. They, then that was like the really the like full circle thing where it's like the last issue of or like one of the last issues of gourmet that she's doing. They're like, there's no money. We don't have any money. There are no advertisers anymore. And she's like, we'll do a Paris issue again. But it's just me and the travel guide. Yeah. And we're going to stay in horrible hotels. And they like go to one nice restaurant. And she's sitting across the st- uh, from the guy. From the guy. The ghost guy is there again. He's like, <laughs> do you remember me? And she's like, of course, of course I remember you. Putain, no. Okay, that but that also trip is so beautiful. I mean, that's a lovely narrative device in the book. How she has this like poppers trip to Paris. Yes, after the wicked, the wicked trip. The to poppers Paris. trip to Paris that echoes her trip to Paris when she was a 
kid when she was like 20 and she was like and I was just eating oh, yeah, she crumbs like, from the boulangerie and and well and she has this realization she goes I realize that money becomes a barrier insulating you from ordinary life because she has all these wonderful experiences where people are like showering her with like fun food and bringing her into like restaurants and bars and when you're like acting rich no one wants to give you anything no. they're, they're just like oh she's good she's prissy and stuck up we're not gonna deal with and her and then when you have no money just that baguette and cheese. Doors open. Doors open. People the three, want the to three break dollar bread with bottle you. of yes, wine. Absolutely, Mac. Putain. It was like people were just like, "You must dine with us." And they all had this like, they wanted to like show off their country to her and be like, "Okay, I'm going to give you the best thing because I can tell that you're penny pinching." Yeah. Well, that was also. I feel like that felt really like it was interesting thinking about that experience she had in Paris in restaurants where she's, you know, they're kind of like cosplaying as paupers and getting like fed for free by all of these people who are taking sympathy on her. When I feel like it's very like now it's like, who does the restaurant send the fancy stuff to? It's like they send it to Alison Roman. They send it to the people who can afford it already. Yeah. yeah. Whereas they send the people they want to impress. When my wife was working at Chez Panisse, she said that that was like often a thing where they would be like, no, you don't send free stuff to the like fancy food writer. Mm. You send it to the couple who's clearly, yes. they're so, 21 and they've saved sharing. up all yes. year to go on this date. And those mm. are the people that you send the well, champagne to. And that's, that is the Danny Meyer vision of hospitality that I will say is still alive and well, as I've discussed in this pod, if you, depending on the restaurant you go to, at Union Square, like I had that wonderful experience on my birthday where they- The overhearing. The overhearing. They overheard me saying to Lily, aha, it's my birthday. And they brought me a free glass of wine. Yes. Just because they happened to hear that. Like, that is what is special. I was dining alone. I'm obviously not some Sad. VIP. My last thing I just want to say before we move to segments, the very end when Gourmet closes, she's at JFK, like, flying. And she goes to get, like, some wrap at, like, a whatever, some restaurant. And, like, the cashier is like, have it for free. I loved Gourmet. I'm, <laughs> I'm really going to miss I'm, it. I'm really going to miss it. And I feel like it was very you, like, crying over the magazine. Yes, yes, yes. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll give a, I'll give you a free Pret sandwich. <laughs> and I'm just like, the way the, like, cashier at Pret is not reading or caring about Gourmet. Well, well I, you know what you don't know? I bet right now there's a cashier at Pret, okay, so. pouring over, you know, Eater. And they're giving someone a free sandwich. You know, I did have, there was a cashier at the Pret near One World Trade Center who would give me free coffee all the time and I had to stop going because it was a little... Because you were a bone app editor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was like a flirty... It was like, sometimes my coffee would be free and then it would be like, oh, here's like two cookies for free and then it would be like, your sandwich is free. And then I was like, I can't go anymore. Was it a man? It homosexual. It felt there was yes, yes. (laughs) The answer is yes. Um, So you're homophobic, and I am your first homophobic guest. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true. No, no, you're not not our first homophobic. We've had had plenty of homophobic guests before. Celebrity book club. This week on the VIP Lounge, Emil Stonic is coming back in the Whisper Room with us to talk food, restaurants, Thanksgiving, and proposals. Oh, and oh! You proposed at Chelsea I, Market. I know that's, that's what her boss. <laughs> wait, that's what wait, her boss wait, said. The sorry. Next day. Also, wait. after our whole conversation on the way here, we were like, "Yeah, you know, it's so corny, like food big halls. food so, halls." I know, like, I know, I know. I'm actually going to propose. No, okay, 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 okay. okay. In defense of Marie, go to Patreon.com/slash/CBCThePod to subscribe and hear our whole scintillating conversation. You don't want to miss it. Mm-mm-mm. Delicious. Delicious. 
cold segments. Delicious, cold, steamed segments. segments. What does she wear? What does she eat? How does she, How does she live? What does she eat? Everything, what does darling. She, I mean, everything. Um, dumplings. Mm. Aspic. Pizza. <laughs> bread. Butter. I could do this all day. She yeah. definitely made a big thing of being like, you know, when she's like out at the hot pot restaurant in L.A. when she's trying to court Lori Ochoa to, and Jonathan Gold to come work at Gourmet. And she's like, the owners knew Jonathan and they brought out the big hot pot of like vegetables and organ meats and all the other guests were just eating the vegetables and Lori and I we always had a taste for the intestines and the congealed pig's blood and the brain they're doing amazing things with awful at this tiny hole in the wall she is original like white girl at the Chinese restaurant who's like I will get the blood soup yeah Yeah. can I have the authentic version yeah Um, I, a story I, I just, I'm sure we've told it on, told it on the podcast. We were at, in Brooklyn, Chinatown, and Stephen ordered a cold <laughs> rabbit's blood <laughs> noodle soup. Wow. And, yeah, the waitress was like, kept on being like, are you sure? Like, you don't want this? And, and you I were like, so I <laughs> want it. And it was just like a bowl of blood noodles. <laughs> it was How gross was it? and oh. creepy. And we were like, hmm, it's a little slimy. Yes, Ruth is, you know, of course, having a macaw in, but she thrives on. I will say, she also does like fancy restaurants because, like, yeah. the whole part of the book, she was like, oh, like, Eric Repair is doing amazing things with foie gras right now. It's a cloud. And it's like her normal business lunch is foie gras and wine. Yeah, it's like a, a, so decadent. A lot. Yeah. A lot of the restaurants that she's talking about, I mean, it just, it's interesting because it's all, it is, these are the restaurants that were cool in like 2005. Yes. And the very, like, the restaurants that like 2008 just eradicated. Mm. It was like the white tablecloth, like very platey, very fancy, very yes. like big plate, small mm. meal. Yes, 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 yes. Um, how does she live? I mean, it's big table in the dining room she where they gather. Farm sink. She I mean, and I do feel like she was the first person to have a water filler. That thing that everyone the, has to have the in the kitchen oh, now. Berkey. I don't know. Not you guys both calling it a Berkey. That's what it's called. Sir, it's what it's called. We're upstate girls. <laughs> well, I got... You, you, they call it a pot filler. Congratulations at Dimes from the sculptor. No, I got my Berkey. It was... I found it free on the street Wait, in Hudson. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not talking about the same thing. I'm talking about that thing that's like above the stove that fills a pot with water. Oh, 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 oh. Like a... a t- yes, yes. Just a definitely. faucet that's only it's to fill for pasta that's in the, water. On top oh! of the range that you oh, can pull over. Oh, you're talking about over. a pasta arm. Yes, a pasta yeah. arm. That, I'm like, sorry, pasta arm? That's a pasta water I've is... heard it called a pot filler on okay. like Netflix makeover pasta, shows. I don't know which of these sounds worse. Both are bad names. Pasta yeah. things. And I only, I discovered that from... You guys are talking about that dime ceramic water. Yes. That's <laughs> a yeah. huge... Like, tank. <laughs> and it's like such a tank and you're you like... Have, okay, you got Listen, the... I don't live in New York. The water tastes bad where I am. Low, medium, bad. I feel I like... I feel like it's a four poster and it's somewhat high. And it's like Amish wood or whatever, and it's like kind of minimal, but it's like still kind of high. And I mean, obviously, piled books for her and her husband on either yes. side with like glasses on either glasses side, glasses everywhere. I feel like they're also still that classic Bose five disc changer in the kitchen. Yes. Do you don't think there's a chance that it's bed on the floor? Oh yes, I could see. Wait, because they're being so like Japanese eames about it. I think it could be like that kind of like. Very there's an like, boho, yeah, yeah. like 
there's like a big bed on the floor. There are some like nightstands that are like made for a floor bed and are very nice and like designer. But then there are just tons of books stacked up. Ultimately, no. You don't think so? I don't think she's getting down on the floor. I think her bones are creaking. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing. She started being the editor-in-chief. At 50. When she's 50. So but she's also, in her 70s now. It is also, in the how does she live, she also had an assistant who she, Robin, who she met. She's kind of like, at the end, she's like, Wait, yeah, and then, then I realized I hadn't done anything for myself in 10 when, years. When Robin, we talk about how everyone, like, the where are they nows, and she's like, Robin went on to become a reservationist yes. at a hot restaurant. <laughs> Do you know what I realized? I... Sat in Robin's chair, her literal <gasps> chair. No. Yes. Ruth's office became the editor in chief of Bon Appetit's office, <gasps> and the cubicle where Robin sat Shaking. became oh Shaking. my god! Wait, You're Robin. it was literally the You're same office. Robin. They Who just are you in they the just book? scraped the word gourmet off of all the signs and put Stop. Bon Appetit on top of it. Wait, in her office with the very colorful scheme that she picked out that everyone was shocked by. Cause... Yes. <laughs> oh, and she was like, I want a table in here. And they're like, you don't want a table in here. <laughs> Wait, so was it as wild as she describes? Uh, there was a redecorating budget, so I don't I don't think I saw... I didn't see the office. So Adam had redecorated it yes. to, to be more masculine. Yes. Dark leather chairs. No, not dark leather, but there was like a big... Big kind of like, what do you call that? Like, uh, like one of those big wooden, like... Uh, uh, Things. Long uh, it's credenza. Kind of like, it's, uh, yeah, like a credenza with like lots of like very shallow drawers. Okay, that you would might put like prints in, but very vintage. I know. Yes. 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 That like that an artist who has a loft in Soho that they've had since the '60s would have in their loft to be like, this is a drawing I did. Yes. In '72, yes. but it's empty, and it's I'm getting ready for my moment no. retrospective. What does she wear? I mean, it's just like so like Japanese linen, black smock blazer. I, I, I guess like, do you think she's Eileen Fisher or is I, she way funkier or is she a mix of Eileen I Fisher and funky? Mix. <laughs> she has like, of, she has the, the just the classic Eileen Fisher pieces that she knows that work. The and then she has the vintage pieces that. Is she going down, what's it called? Warren Street and window shopping and getting a lamp and like a random blanket. I don't. She's all of a flea market. I feel like she knows Warren Street is so overpriced. Right. Yeah. I don't think that she's going she's to. Maybe still, in 94. She's internalizing the lessons she, of her second Paris trip. Yeah. She's not overspending. She's yes. not buying like a $6,000 credenza. I think she's like going to a different flea market in Columbia County. Right. I think she's like maybe getting little like tchotchkes. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I found this cute. I went mm-hmm. to a yard sale and I got this cute little like mini beer stein. That I'm yeah. Like, isn't that there. fun? I'll get for Nick. Who are you in the book? So you're Robin. Obviously you're Robin. Robin. You're literally Robin. Yep. Um, I feel like you are... Am I... Are you Gina? Oh, Gina? (laughs) Gina? Wait, Gina's insane sales (laughs) meetings where she's she's dressing up like a geisha to like... Wait, was that Gina? That was Gina. Gina. Yeah. Where she had a theme and she was like, one year she drove motorcycles down Fifth Avenue to like present... A hundred Harleys. To present like sales figures to advertisers. I'm like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. She used every expense she could. She spared nothing. Like <laughs> I, I'm coming out in like this full kabuki makeup to just be, to like tell our advertisers what our circulation figures yeah. are. I could see it. <laughs> um, but now you're so bust, so you are Ruth. <laughs> yeah. You could be Gina, but could you also be Larry? Oh, I do. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a little. 
you were like, I'm excited to build this from the ground up. I'm I'm excited to like fire people, but also like get the ball moving and yeah. like crack some heads together. Yes, the disciplinarian. I you know I do like to crack the whip, so to speak. I feel like I'm Jonathan Gold. I guess like <laughs> you could be Jonathan Gold. You could also be Gina Marie. The Benson, the, oh, the, the black-haired ben, Benson, black Benson Hurst beauty. Hearst beauty. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, she was really fabulous, and she was the PR rep for Condi. No, no, no. This is this is the the test kitchen person who was like had to make the chili oh, oh, or oh. The, the sloppy joes over and over and, and over and over did again. The, she ended up doing the scallion cheddar rolls for the sloppy joes. Yes, and it was like Gina Marie's <laughs> scallion cheddar rolls. Classic Gina Marie's scallion cheddar rolls. Wait, this I is you so. because you're just like every single night you're like, yeah, me and my wife made another rigatoni. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we're trying the rigatoni again though to get it perfect. <laughs> and her yeah. her whole family has like a Sunday lunch, and she's like. There was a thing about Gina Marie is her entire family sat down to like a 12-person oh, yeah, like lunch every course. Sunday. They've been hosting like a 12-person family lunch for the past for week. seven days. Okay, done, Gina Marie. <laughs> I give this book five out of five cloves of garlic. I give this book five 1971 bottles of Dom Perignon out mm-hmm. of five. Yeah. It's stunning. And I highly recommend... Any of her... This book, Girl I think you... Read this and read Tina Brown's Vanity Fair Diaries, like, one after the other, because it's just a fascinating documentation of a world that no longer exists. I'm going to give it four couture dresses with Severine (laughs) stitched into the lapel out of five. I feel like she gave a lot of the anecdotes of the boring parts of being a gourmet editor and not as many of the really exciting. It was like a lot of like ad meetings. Yeah. And it was like, uh-huh. and the numbers were still going down and less like, and we, I like the trips. The but trips are fun. The trips yeah. are fun. But, you know, as she says, I mean, she, you know, she foretells this in the beginning. She's like, it became all about ad meetings. And that was yes. her undoing. Because yes. she also became too focused on that Brand side of Ruth. it. Yeah, she became Brand Ruth. And when she was just like, I'm going to a thousand like women on the world conferences and I'm winning so many random ass awards for like. But also, I mean, I guess this is over, but like. <laughs> <laughs> this is over. I mean, this is fucking mind. over. Um, we have to get in the VIP lounge. All right, we're going to keep talking go. in the VIP talking, lounge. Okay. Emil, you can't leave. You can't leave. We're You're locking the doors. In. Um, uh, for the rest of you. Um, Literally best. Um, go have a meal. Go have lunch in Manhattan in the yeah, middle of the week. Yeah, lunch in Manhattan in the middle of the day. And then also, maybe bring this book for amazing dining alone armor. Actually, don't bring this book to lunch. That's a little too band teacher. Yeah, that's concert. a little... Yeah. Bring although, Tina Brown to lunch. This at home. Although I will say, remember when I brought Setting the Table to the Denny Meyer restaurant, and I, I also got free wine, I think, because of that? Oh, I guess, I guess basically just go to a Denny Meyer restaurant because you get free <laughs> wine. Gonna... And we still have yet to go to his daughter's gelateria. Anyway, literally Best. 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 Beast. Celebrity Book Club is presented by Prologue Projects. The show is produced by Benjamin Frisch, with editorial support from Leon Nafok, Andrew Parsons, Arlene Revelo, and Madeline Captain. Our production manager is Persia Verlin. Original theme song by Stephen Phillips Horst. Artwork by Teddy Blanks at Chips NY. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CBC The Pod. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review and don't forget to tell your friends. Well, about us. And don't forget to go to patreon.com for access to the VIP Lounge, our exclusive bonus podcast.
You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.